please take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 5 as we continue our study through the wonderful book of Romans, Romans chapter 5. So two weeks ago, last time we were together, we saw that Paul opens chapter 5 on a positive note, which is a huge sigh of relief, right? So first four chapters of the book of Romans is all about sin, and we're getting beat up and beat up and beat up and beat up some more. And finally, we come to Romans chapter 5, and he, he transitions from the gospel and sin to now we get to experience the gospel and hope. And so we defined hope two weeks ago as a confident expectation we said that hope is a possession, not an action. Hope is a noun, not a verb. It's what we have, it's not what we do. Faith is the action. Faith is what we do. Faith is the action, hope is the possession. Faith is what we do. Hope is what gives us the ability to have faith. We talked about hope and faith. We talked about faith being the vehicle, the, 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 the car, and that every Christian has, has faith. We all have a car, but so many of us are stuck in life. We, we've, we've, we have no purpose or meaning, and we seem lost. It's because you've run out of gas. You've run out of hope. You see, if the car is faith, then gas is hope. Hope is what fuels our faith. And things of the world, you, you say, how is it that we run out of gas? How is it that when we're driving down the road of life and we're going well and things are going good, how is it that we run out of gas? If, if I have faith, then should my hope not just continually be there? Well, that would be pretty cool to have a car that never ran out of gas, right? Well, I've never seen one before. Even the electric cars you've got to plug in at some point. You see, Everything that goes has got to be filled up. And so what drains us? Well, things of the world, when hurtful things happen, when bad things happen, when, when we suffer, and if we don't apply our faith, do not miss this, if we do not apply our faith through suffering, then we run the chance of losing hope when bad things occur. Does that make sense? So when we're going through life and we're going through suffering, if we're not applying our faith, if we're focused not on faith, but we're focused on the problems, then you will very quickly run out of hope. So a loved one dies. Your spouse walks out on you. The love of your life says, I don't love you anymore. You, you get a bad report from the doctor. Suffering, suffering may not even happen to you directly. We can become frustrated just simply watching the news and seeing the devastation around us if you don't live by your faith in these times, then your hope will dry up. And when hope dries up, when it's all said and done and your hope dries up, you're going to look around one day and you understand the storms of life, they always subside, right? Storms don't last forever. Storms only last for a season. So you're going to see the storms begin to subside and you're going to look up and you're going to see the, the, the storm clouds go away and you're going to see the, the, the sun come up in the sky and you're going to realize that you're still not moving anywhere. You're still stuck. Ever been stuck in life before? Ever look around and see people seemingly just pass you by? They got their junk in order, but you don't have yours. Here I am, stuck on the side of the road, not, not able to go anywhere, not able to make sense of my world. Tragedy, sin, pain, hurt, loss have, have left us void of hope, and so we're stranded on the side of the road. And so what do we do? We beg God for more faith. 
God, give me more faith. And it's not wrong to pray for more faith, but, but asking for more faith when you're stuck in life is like saying, God, give me a more expensive car that still has no gas. What use is that? Yeah, I, I got a great car, but I don't have any gas to put in it. Again, it's not wrong to ask for more faith, but, but when you're stuck on the road of life, what we have today are many Christians who have faith. We don't have a faith problem. Jesus said that a, how, how big of faith do you have to have in order to make mountains move in your life? He, he said a mustard seed. Just a small amount of faith is all that you need in order to see the mountains move in your life, to see things happen in your life. You just need a mustard seed. I believe that every one of us have at least a mustard seed faith. I don't believe that we have a faith problem. I believe that we have a hope problem. We get so caught up in life that we get focused on the issues and the problems, and it begins to drain our hope. So what do we do? Where does hope come from? We're, we're stranded. How, how, do I, how do I refuel my faith? How do I fuel my faith with my hope? Are you ready, church? Are you ready for the answer? Here it is. Please stand in the honor of reading God's word. Romans chapter 5. Here it is, verse 3. Paul tells us, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces what? Hope. And hope does not put, uh, put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Father, I pray that you'll open hearts right now. So many people need to hear this message. Maybe, maybe they're not struggling now, but, but they will. Lord, Lord I, I ask that you will open our hearts and receive this word from you right now. We ask this in Christ's name. And all of God's people said, please be seated. Where does hope come from? Here it is, number one. Hope originates in our suffering. Hope originates in our suffering. You didn't see that one coming, did you? I know I sure didn't. When, when I was studying the scripture and, and, and preparing this message for today, I, I didn't think, I would not have in a million years believed that my hope was going to come through suffering. Verse 2 tells us that our faith, our trust, our belief has gained us access to the Lord. So in other words, verse 2, Romans 5, 2 tells us by faith we've been saved. So, so we enter into heaven. We get to have a relationship with God, not because of hope, but because of faith. By, by grace through faith, we've been saved. So faith is very important. I'm not trying to minimize faith at all. I'm not trying to minimize faith at all. Faith is vitally important. In fact, faith is why you have that relationship with God that you've got. So faith is what we are saved by. Then Paul says that faith that saves us Faith saves us, but hope sustains us. Faith saves us, but hope sustains us. For we, he said we are to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, verse 2. I encourage you to go back online. If, you've not, if you missed uh, the message two weeks ago, go online, alomachurch.org, and, and click on the sermons and, and listen to the sermon. There's something there for you. So, so he deals with hope. He deals with faith. But then he digs deeper into this concept of hope. How is it that our hope can grow and mature? If we lose hope, if we lose hope, I, I, I try to be a positive person. I don't like negativity. I just don't. I, I would rather be more positive than, than negative. And, and so as we think about 
losing hope, losing hope, losing hope. Here's the positive spin. If you can lose something, that means that you can find something. So if you've lost hope, the good news for you this morning is if you've lost your hope, then you can find hope. Whatever you lose, you can find, except for that TV remote that's somewhere in the house, just don't know where it is. But oftentimes, if you can lose something, that means on the other end of the equation, you can find it. So for those of us that are running on empty today, for those of us that are looking at, at tomorrow and it doesn't look very great, for, for those of us who are seemingly living up from, from pain to pain, from, from, from hurt to hurt, maybe you're just in a funk, or, or maybe, maybe everything's going great for you, but we all need to do a self-assessment to make sure that we're on the right trajectory. And you say, how can I get focused or how can I get refocused? Let's look at it again. He says, through verse three, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. In essence, the Bible is telling us that, that hope in tomorrow originates in our sufferings today. If you're taking notes, you may want to write that down. That, that, that's a summary of verses three through five of, of Romans chapter five. The, the Bible's telling us that our hope in tomorrow originates in our sufferings today. That sounds backwards though, doesn't it? One would think a, a, a bright hope for tomorrow would originate from sunny days today. If I'm going to have a positive outlook tomorrow, then it should come out of a positive experience today. But that's not how things work. That's not how even the world operates. Sure, we, we, we just wanna fake it till we make it, right? We, we want all the good, but, but no bad. That's how we want others to observe us. That's how we want it to go. Sunshiny days and looking through rose-colored glasses, but that's not reality. And if you think that's how life works, then, then you're going to be disappointed. Truth is, life's hard. Things happen. And that's for all of us, from, from, from preachers and pastors and evangelists to deacons to, to everyone. Life's hard. Life happens. Heartache occurs. Bad things do happen to good people. Aren't you glad you came to church today for this pep talk? <laughs> but, but let's turn this in the positive. Let's examine it. Because the truth of God's word says that, that how I react to those bad things today will determine my response when tomorrow comes. There's another good thing you may want to write down. For you and I, how, how we react, how we react to the bad things today will determine our response tomorrow. Hope originates in suffering. Paul said, in fact, verse three, he said, what does he say? What does he say that we are to do in suffering? He says, we rejoice. You see that word? We rejoice in our sufferings. To rejoice, that means to boast. You say, now wait a minute, pastor. I thought it's a sin to boast. We're not supposed to boast. Well, to boast in yourself, to, to strut about yourself, to boast in what I have done, that's a sin. But to boast in the things of the Lord, to boast about what God has done, to boast uh, in the hope that he has given us, that's not a sin. Have you ever, have, has anybody ever told you what that word boast literally means in the Greek? It means to brand with a branding iron. Have you ever seen a cow, I don't know why you would, but have you ever, have you ever seen a cow not, not necessarily being branded, but a cow that has been branded before? I've never seen it done, don't think I ever want to, but I've seen cows that have been branded before. You, you've seen that? 
They've been branded with the mark of their, their owner. They didn't choose the brand that, that happened to them, but, but still yet, wherever this cow goes and moves and, and, and eats grass, wherever it goes, it is carrying the message of its owner on them wherever they go. Let, let, let's talk about it in another way, branding. We, we all experience branding. One of the greatest marketing ploys that, this, that, that I have ever seen are these clothing companies that, that sell us shirts that, that have their name on it. You go to Old Navy and you buy the Old Navy shirts. You go to Gap and you buy the Gap shirts. You go to Abercrombie, you buy the Abercrombie shirts. You, and, and we're walking, we pay them money to advertise for them for free. It's genius. It's genius. But you know what? While you chose the shirt to buy, you did not choose the, you didn't write the message on that shirt. You didn't come up with the name Old Navy. Now, you may have chose to buy it. You may have chosen to wear it, but you did not choose the brand. So it is with our boasting. We don't boast about what we have done. We boast about what he has done. We are to boast, we are to rejoice. And the text here says that we are branded, we are to boast, we are to rejoice. What does he say? We are to rejoice in sufferings. We are to boast in sufferings. The King James uses the word tribulations. We, we glory in tribulations. We rejoice in sufferings. The word suffering or, or tribulation here, it literally means pressure. That's a good word for life, isn't it? Pressure. We all face pressure. We, 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 have you ever seen a, a pool pump or, or one of those hand pumps to, to blow up a football or, or a bicycle tire? They, they all have a gauge on them, and that gauge reads out the amount of pressure in which that object is under. The more that goes in, the greater the PSI, the, the, the pressure per square inch. So the more you put into something, the greater the pressure begins to build. So it is with life. The more that happens to us in life, the greater the pressure begins to build. The more stuff that happens in life, the more pressure that builds up. And, and here, Paul is very clear in verse 3. He says, we are to rejoice. We are to be branded. We are to boast in the pressures of life. Pressure from work. Pressure from school, trying to perform and, and get the grades and make people happy. Pressure. Pressure at home, try, trying to, to make peace with, when trying to raise kids and make the marriage work. Pressure. Pressure when the body doesn't work the way it used to. Our bodies slow down, but our minds run faster. Pressure. And we church folk, we, we don't like to show we're under pressure. We, we like to take our little gauge and, and, and pretend like we're not under any kind of pressure. Shaking hands and high-fiving people, all the while our head is about to explode because we're under intense pressure. Age is pressure. Love is pressure. Money is pressure. And what happens is pressure begins to build and, and build and build and build, and we don't know how to release the pressure. So it continues to build and build and build and build, and we take on more and more and more and more inner struggle. Inner turmoil, inner pain, inner pressure. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.8. We have it on the screen. He says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, 
of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened. You see that word burdened there? It's the same Greek word as our word uh, sufferings in Romans chapter 5. It means, it literally means pressure. So utterly pressured beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. In other words, the apostle Paul says, I'm under so much pressure, so many struggles that life has become unbearable. He's writing to the church in Corinth and he says, I know that you want me to come. I know that you want me to come and and, and be there with you, but I can't. Here's a side principle that comes free of charge with your price of admission today. But this is good. We we, we get this from 2 Corinthians 1.8. Many of us need to learn this. It's a spiritual gift. And it's a spiritual gift of being able to say no. Let's say that word together in English. Ready? No. Let's say it in Spanish. No. Let's say it in French. No. I won't ask you to say it in Greek, but it's low, actually. That doesn't fit, really. No. No. Paul said, I'm stressed beyond measure, and I I know you want me to come, but the best I can do is to write this letter. No. For if I come, I'm going to be burdened even to the point it's going to cause more pressure. Some of us need to learn that word no, beginning with me. Those of us that are people pleasers, we need to learn that it's okay sometimes to just say no. Now, some of us say no to everything, and that's not good either. But, but Paul literally says, if I say yes to one more thing, if I say yes to one more thing, you say, what's the big deal of him going to Corinth? I don't know. I don't know what he was facing. I don't know what he was under. But, but he literally says here in 2 Corinthians 1.8, if, if I do one more thing, I am going to explode. Have you ever been there? You, you feel like if I do one more thing, if I have to wipe one more dirty nose, if I have to do one more thing, I'm going to explode under pressure. You know what else this shows me? That I'm not the only Christian that's ever been to my point of breaking. Even the Apostle Paul, quite arguably the greatest Christian who ever lived apart from Jesus himself, got to his breaking point and said, I cannot do one more thing. I'm under pressure. Paul said, I'm living life and At this point in my life, life is not fun. You see, the Apostle Paul shows us that he went through life to the point that he was at his breaking point. When you have more coming at you than what you're releasing, when you are feeding more people than people are feeding you, it causes pressure. And when pressure is not released, it has a draining effect. You see, let's go back to our original illustration. This is how we run out of gas. This is how we run out of gas. We're in the car of faith and we're going down the road. You lose hope because you are under so much pressure from the world and so many things are happening and it's building and building and building and building and building and then you're about to pop and you run out of gas. And that just causes even more pressure. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You run out of hope because the pressure that you're under, the sufferings that you have endured were not released appropriately. You're dragging all of this stuff around. 
You've not truly dealt with it. Your pressure gauge says you're about to pop and you're running on fumes. My truck sitting outside right now has a full tank of gas. You know why it's full? I didn't drive it much this week. The more you go and the more weight you carry, the faster you will run out and get on empty. I know that's very simple. I know that's very basic. But I'm not just talking about my truck here. I'm talking about life. The faster you go in life and the more junk you carry in life, the faster you're going to run out and get on empty. So many of us are so stressed out, we're so far under pressure, you can't see the forest for the trees. Now, if you're not there today, praise God, but all of us eventually will find ourselves in that place. I personally know it too well. That place where you, everywhere you turn, you feel inadequate. You feel like you're sinking, like you've given so much and you have nothing left to give. Paul says in Romans 5.3, rejoice. Brand this on your life because suffering, here it is, number two, suffering is relieved when we cleave to God. You say, I like that little rhyme. Where did you come up with that? Straight from the Bible. Notice what he says, verse three. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. It produces endurance. This is what it means, that suffering produces endurance. To, to break it down into to, to modern-day English, suffering is relieved when we cleave to God. The King James says it worketh patience. The ESV and the King James both miss the, 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 the intent of the Greek language here. The word produces in the Greek, it literally means to, to overcome. The word endurance or patience there in your Bible, it means to stand toward God. So if, if we can give a better or more proper translation to what he says here, he says, rejoice in your sufferings. Rejoice in your suffering because the way we overcome suffering is we release the pressure when we turn our face to God. That's what endurance means. Suffering produces endurance. He, he's literally saying that, that, that when we turn our face to God, it relieves the pressure. When we cleave to him, when, when we cling to him, when we run to him, so many of us are, are running on empty. All of us suffer. All of us have pain. All of us uh, have been down and out, but the mark of an overcomer, the, the mark of one who lives in hope is the Christian who despite the suffering and, and the pain that he, he, and the pressure that he is under from life, that Christian knows the things of this world are overcome, not by focusing on problems and our pressures, but gazing our eyes on the Lord. I know it seems too easy. It seems like a Sunday school answer, doesn't it? You know what a Sunday school answer is? Anytime anybody ever asks a question, the answer is Jesus. That's a Sunday school answer. It's either Jesus or the Bible, right? That, that, that's the answers in Sunday school. And, and I know this seems like a Sunday school answer, that, that in order to release the pressure in your life, in, in order to be an overcomer, in order to fill your, your tank with hope and, and fuel your faith with hope, the, the way we do that is to turn our eyes to Jesus. I know it sounds very simple, but that's the point. It's not hard. It's not difficult. He's provided the answer right here in his text that, that all we must do is turn our eyes to the Lord. 
We get so caught up in our scars and our pain and our problems that in some ways they, they become our master because they consume us. And when our problems become our master, then we will get what our master produces. Pain, suffering, hurt, more problems. But we know that we have the victory in Jesus. So the third thing he says here is that there is a higher purpose to your pressure. There is a higher purpose to your pressure. Paul says suffering is overcome by looking to God. And when we look to God, that produces character. That word character in, in the Greek literally means to be tested. So, so we rejoice in sufferings, and we rejoice in sufferings by looking to the Lord. And when we look to the Lord, rejoice through sufferings, we were branded with sufferings. And so as we look to the Lord, it relieves the pressure. And the ultimate outcome is that the higher purpose, there is a higher purpose to our pressure, and that it's that it produces character, that it allows us to be tested. We've gone through some things, and we've come through them. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, right? Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Then in verse 6, he says, but now for a little while you've been grieved by various trials. Why? So that your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though refined by fire, may be found in the praise and honor and glory of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter tells us, Paul tells us that the reason why we go through trials and tribulations and hard times and storms is in order to build character, to, 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 to test our faith, to test our merit. Yeah, we got scars. Yeah, we've been knocked down. Yeah, we've, we've run out of gas before. But we're moving now. If you ever had to be in a foxhole, you know what a foxhole is? If you ever had to be in a foxhole, I hope we never have to be in a foxhole, but if you ever had to be in a foxhole, that's one of those, uh, a, a bunker that, that you would get in if you're in a wartime. And, and if you were going to have to be in a foxhole or a bunker, would you want to be in that bunker or that foxhole with, with a bunch of rookies who have never been in a foxhole before? Or would you rather be in a foxhole with, with people who've been tested, people who've been there before, people who've shot a gun before, Right? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the latter. I, I, I want to be around somebody who, who's been there, done that, have the scars, and know how to win. But why is it in the Christian life that, that we often think that we're the only ones that have gone through the things that we're going through? And so instead of sharing our problems and, 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 and talking about them with the church and, and spurring one another on, which is what the book of Hebrews says, we, we, we hold it in. We don't share with anybody the struggles and the pain that's going on in our own life. We, we, we hold it in. And what, what does that do? It builds up what? Pressure. Yeah, it, it builds up pressure. It builds up pressure. Understand this. Along with church is not perfect. We, we truly are a, a hospital for sinners. And we have many floors here in, in, in this church, in this hospital. Okay, you've been diagnosed with cancer. Well, you know what? Here in this hospital, we've had many people who've been diagnosed with cancer. Some of them have been promoted, and they're in glory now. But we have many people in our church right now. We have a lady who was here the first hour. She was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer six years ago, told she was never going to live, and she's still alive today, six years later. 
Keith Stokes right here, he was diagnosed four months ago with, with uh, a, a, a rare form of leukemia, and the doctor said it doesn't look good. He's sitting here today cancer-free. His cancer is in remission. You, you, you're walking through cancer. We have a whole floor full of people who've walked through what you're walking through. Don't hold it in. Would you rather just go to somebody who's never experienced it, or would you rather come and connect with somebody who knows exactly what you're walking through? You lost your husband or your wife. Your, your, your husband or your wife have been promoted to glory. We have a floor in this church. We have a hospital here, uh, a floor in this, this, this hospital that have many widows and widowers that, that are willing and ready and standing ready to walk through this with you, walk through your loss with you. You don't have to do it alone. You're dealing with a loved one who took his life. I, I, I'm the chief captain on this floor because I know what that's like. My brother took his life. Can I tell you the pain and the struggle and the agony that I had to personally walk through a few years ago? Dealing with all of those emotions, can I tell you, you don't need to walk through that alone. I'll walk down that road with you. Your spouse leaving you. There's a floor under construction. It's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. But this hospital called Aloma Church, we are under construction. We are building a floor right now. It's coming, but we'll have people who have walked through divorce, and, and, and they will walk through that with you. Do you feel the pressure of guilt over some addiction? We have a great group of, of, of people that meet every Tuesday night called Celebrate Freedom. They, 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 they talk about all their struggles and, and hang-ups and, 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 and addictions. We have a whole floor at this hospital called Aloma Church that, that wants to minister to allow you to relieve the pressure and we will point you to Jesus every time. If there were no problems, there would be no blessings. Have you ever thought about that before? If you and I never experience a problem, then we would deny God his very existence, which is to bless us. God lives to bring blessings to his children. You don't believe that's true? Go back and what good thing will the father withhold from his children and whom he loves? Dads, you, your desire is to give your children a, a, a better life than what you had. How much more do you think our heavenly father wants to, and if we don't go through problems, if we don't go through problems and we're not faced with storms, then we are denying God his ability to bring blessings upon us. Now, I'm not saying that everything's going to always work out the way you want it to, but what I am saying is it will always work out the way he has intended it to. And you may not see his blessings all the time. You'll never see his blessings when you're focused on the problem. But it's what Job said. What was Job said? Job. Job was questioning God, and it's not wrong to question God. God is not offended by, by our, our, our questions. But God said to Job, he said, Job, where were you when I created the stars? Where, where were you when, when I created the oceans? Where were you? You see, my ways are higher than your ways. My, my plans are greater than your plans. And we focus on that. God has a reason for everything that we go through. You may not know why. 
The why may never make sense to you. But when God moves in your life and you release that pressure, when you release that pressure, when that pressure goes, you keep your eyes on him, then he is going to give you the hope that fuels your faith. And you're going to be driving down your car of faith, down the road, through the storms, through the sun. And you're going to be able to dance. You're going to be able to sing. You're going to be able to say, praise God, I'm free because he's given me this 